What's up, guys? Brian Ratliff here. Just wanted to say thank you for tuning in to Keep the Faith Podcast. Grab your Bibles and let's dig in to the Word of God. I would like to take you back to when I was about fourth or in fourth or fifth grade. My dad and myself drove out to the backwoods of Franklin County, and there I had my 243 rifle in my hand, and we were walking up this big old mountain, or it seemed like a big old mountain to me, and we found our hunting spot, and yes, believe it or not, at one time I did go hunting. And so there we are, and, and, and I don't know, I mean, I was freezing, my hands were absolutely cold, my, my feet were frigid, and that was the least part, uh, my, my, my least favorite part about hunting was I was always so cold. But there we were, and finally, out of nowhere, this doe comes into our sight, and so I got my 243 rifle out, and I got the scope, and I looked in there, and the focus was all in on that doe. And I pulled the trigger, and I said, Dad, did I get it? <laughs> and so I sat there, and he marched away, and then I heard this huge roar of a yell, and I said, well, I must have got it. So I went over there, and my dad got his knife out, and he cut that bad boy open and started pulling out the intestines and the guts, and I thought to myself, man, this ain't for me, baby. <laughs> oh, man. You know, maybe if you've been shooting at the range before, if you've been hunting, you realize that, that the scope, it has a focus, and you have to zoom in, and, and you focus on that deer or the bullseye, and at times, as you're focusing on one little piece that's found inside the scope, you might lose focus on something else in the background. And it's interesting, in Hebrews chapter 11, verses, verses 8 down to 19, the major focus here is upon Abraham. But standing in behind Abraham, we see that the focus is now centered upon Sarah in verses 11 and 12. And so today I want to talk with you about the faith of Sarah. That just as we call Abraham the patriarch of our faith, we have to also call Sarah the matriarch of our faith. And today as we think about Abraham and Sarah and the unique calling that God placed upon their life, you might sit there and say, well, man, that just seems impossible. And really today we're going to talk about impossible faith, but if you could walk away with any thought today, here is the thought I want to leave you from today's sermon. The impossible is possible with God. The impossible is possible with God. Do you remember what Jesus told his disciples in the Gospel of Mark? He said, if you believe, all things are possible. And my friends, I believe that, that when, when we look at Sarah and Abraham, we are going to see this, this idea from, from every ounce of perspective from man's eye. It seems absolutely impossible for this to take place. It seems like an impossibility. This can't be done. It is, they're unable because obviously at their age, certain activities have probably ceased. And so we think, well, this couldn't happen. They couldn't really give birth to a son. But we will see that Abraham and Sarah eventually 
would laugh at this initial saying that God made, promise that he gave them, but then they would ultimately laugh at one point in unbelief and then laugh in belief. There are some times in your life that God might stir you and, and push you and nudge you to get involved in something and you just start, start laughing because it, it just sounds humorous because I can't do that, God. But then years down the road, you look back and you begin to laugh about how God chose to use a little vessel like you or me. But my question I want to ask us all today is I've been wrestling in these two verses is how do you know if you have impossible faith. You see, we've looked so far at, at the faith of creation that we believe by faith God created the world. We believe by faith Abel presented to God a more excellent sacrifice than came. By faith Enoch walked with God in such a way that, that God took him and he escaped the process we call death. That Noah persistently serve God with such obedience in the midst of nobody else obeying God apart from his family, and he did it by faith. And we looked about last time, about Abraham and his radical faith that he would leave his own country at the age of 75 years old and take his wife along with him. And here we arrive to our focus is now on Sarah. I have three thoughts I want to share with you today about how you can know you have impossible faith. You see, faith sounds like it's impossible for the world, but with God, it is possible to have this level of faith. And today, if you would, just, just for a little while, I want to share with you three thoughts. The first thought is, is from the first part of verse 11, and it's this thought. Impossible faith believes God is our reliance. In other words, rely on God. And that is how you know you have this level of faith that Abraham and Sarah had. Look at verse 11. The Bible says, through faith. Would you say faith with me? Faith. Say it again. Faith. Through faith. Now, by the way, the word through here is the exact same word that the writers here translated by. So literally, it means by or through faith. Also, Sarah. The first woman mentioned here, not the only woman that's going to be mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, but the first one, Sarah here. The second one is a woman named Rahab, and we'll get to her soon enough. And it's so interesting that God would take these two women and place these two women right here. And I think it's an important thought here that God can use not just men, but God can also use women to accomplish his providential plans. So be encouraged today, all you ladies. This might be a message just for you ladies today. That just as God used Sarah for his own purposes and plans, God can use you also. It says, through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. As I've been meditating on this phrase here, the word strength, it comes from the Greek word that we get dynamite from. And, and the only way we could ever have this dunamis or dynamite power of strength is if God gives it to us. Remember what Paul said in, in Philippians chapter 4? He said that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. My friends today, we need to rest assured that God is our reliance. That we need to rely totally, wholeheartedly upon God. 
But consider this. As I've been meditating in this phrase and meditating on the, the account in Genesis about Sarah and Abraham, consider this thought. Rely on God's strength to receive God's call. Rely on God's strength to receive his call. You see, in Genesis chapter 17, the Bible speaks to us that this is 13 years after Ishmael was born. And God established this sign of his covenant through circumcision just to reaffirm his promise that he made to Abraham. And he began to, to eventually would, would change their names to Abraham and Sarah in this passage. And, and he reminded them that they're going to have a child. And it's interesting, in Genesis chapter 17, verses 15 through 19, Abraham here laughs at what God said. So before Sarah ever laughs in chapter 18, first of all, Abraham does. Now, I want to pause and just say this, that, that you cannot study the life of Abraham without studying the life of Sarah. And you cannot study the life of Sarah without studying the life of Abraham. They go together. They do. They were a married couple. And God called them both. And now we see the focus is, is on Sarah. But before we get to Sarah, we need to understand that, that in order for us to receive the calling that God places on our life, we have to rely on God. Because sometimes God might call us to do something what appears to be impossible. I mean, wouldn't it seem impossible for a 75-year-old and a 65-year-old to, to move from their one location to go to another and have a huge nation and have a huge offspring, even though at this moment in time, Sarah was barren, didn't have any children. And then years would go by. 25 years later, God eventually lived up to his promise. And Sarah is 90. It would be hard to receive that calling. But whatever God is stirring you to do, you have to receive it. And you have to rely on God. Now consider this. In chapter 18 of Genesis not just rely on God's strength to receive his call, but rely on God's strength to believe his call. There will come a time that when God begins to stir you to, to do something like he did with this couple, that, that you're gonna, it's going to be hard to receive it. But then eventually it's going to sink in and you're going to believe it and trust God knows what is best. And so at this point, Abraham, I believe, believe this. And we have three visitors that come to their house. And we know one of those visitors is a theophany. And that is a fancy theological term that simply means that God made his bodily manifestation before the cross or through the, through the um, incarnation of Christ. And here we believe that God visited Abraham along with these two others at his very tent and house, if you will. And as these visitors were explaining to Abraham that they are going to have a son... A unique son that would be a, a picture of another unique and only begotten son named Jesus. That Sarah hears this conversation and she laughs. And then she was confronted about this and she dismissed it and lied and said, No, I didn't laugh in Genesis 18. Listen, you can't hide your sin from God. Nobody can. God sees it all. He knows it all. He's before it all. And he knows what's going on in our thoughts. He knows what we've said and he knows what we've done. So the best thing to do is when God reveals and, and, and opens up the, the, the doorway that 
to the closet in our life full of all this mess and sin, the best thing to do is just confess it before God and ask him to forgive us. But in Genesis chapter 18, we see that, that Sarah begins to laugh at this, but, but eventually they would go on to believe. Now in Genesis chapter 18, it's, a lot of scholars come to, come to Hebrews chapter 11 and are wondering, why in the world is Sarah mentioned in the hall of faith? Because all she did was laugh when God said, you're going to have a son. Now, don't get too carried away, because probably you would have laughed too if you were in her shoes. I know I would have if I was Abraham. But we know that she would eventually would believe and receive this calling because she followed her husband and his leadership and participated in certain activities to make sure that God lived up to his promises. But then check it out now. In Genesis chapter 21, the first two verses, we read about how the promise was given. So consider this, not just rely on God's strength to receive his call and believe his call, but thirdly here, rely on God's strength to conceive his call. In Genesis chapter 21, I want to read these verses to you. It is so moving to see that God fulfills his promises. The Bible says, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Today, my friends, just as God stirred Abraham and Sarah to leave their home country, to go to another, to take root there and to have a son and to give birth to the nation of Israel, if you will. God might be stirring you to do some type of ministry here in the Roanoke area or here in our church. And I submit to you today that whatever it is, whether it is through teaching the word, whether it is through singing praises to God, or whether it is through serving in different ministries, like an Easter egg hunt in the very near future, or whatever it is, Rely on God for strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The impossible is possible with God. And that is what we learn from the life and ministry of Sarah. Impossible faith believes God is our reliance. But let me just ask you something today. May I be frank with you? Sometimes in my own life, I'm relying on my own wisdom. Well, <laughs> what little wisdom I have. Sometimes I'm relying on the strength or what little strength I might have to get through the day. But I submit to you today that if I would just lean upon God, if you would just lean upon God for strength and stamina and wisdom and guidance and direction, God will show up. Let's rely on God. Secondly today, as we move forward in our verse in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11, I thought about this second thought of how we can know we depend on God. Or how we know we have impossible faith. Impossible faith not only believes God is our reliance, but secondly, impossible faith believes God is our deliverance. God is our deliverer. He is not just our provider. He delivers for us. So let's trust God in all things. In fact, that's what faith literally means. It means to fully rely and depend upon God to supply all of your needs in life. That's what it means. That means that I'm resting in the fact that I may not understand what the future has in store for me, but I'm going to know, I'm going to trust, I'm going to rely, I'm going to depend upon God to provide for me. That's faith. 
And that's impossible faith. Because our world looks in and sees the church, sees a place like our church here, sees people like you and me, and they say, listen, no, it's, it's, it, listen, it's what we did. I got that job. I make that salary. I paid that mortgage. I paid that note in the car. I paid that electric bill. I paid that water bill. I did this and I did that, but I'm here to tell you something. It's God that opened up that doorway for us, and we realize that God is the one providing for our needs. And we've been faithful to work and serve in all the areas that God has given to us. But God is the one that we trust. The Bible goes on to say, it says, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. And it says, And was delivered of a child when she was past age. Ninety years young. Could you imagine, ladies? How about at 80 years young? How about at 70 years young? <laughs> How about at 60 years young? Wouldn't that be quite a surprise? Impossible faith believes God is our deliverance. But, but consider this thought today. Trust God to deliver from afflicting adversities. There's going to be times in our life when we go through afflictions and adversity. And obviously, they went through it. I mean, imagine I made a promise to you that I'm going to come and eat dinner with you. I'm not going to tell you when I'm going to show up. I'm not going to tell you what day of the week it is. I'm not even going to tell you the year. But I'm going to come and have dinner with you. And I'm going to bring you a big old steak dinner. Come on now. I know that's got your attention now. <laughs> but I'm going to do it 25 years down the road. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, know, you never know. You may not be alive. I mean, you never know. I might not have to live up to that promise. <laughs> I might not be alive, so I may not be able to live up to that promise. But, I mean, that, that's literally what, what God did to them. God gave them a promise, and 25 years later, he cashes in on that promise. And imagine the affliction and the turmoil that Sarah went through being promised that she's going to be a mom but not having this child. I mean, being 65 years of age at first, receiving this crazy notion to leave their hometown. But, you know, the Bible never says that Sarah was that nagging wife with her husband. I can't believe you're going to believe that message that that messenger sent. I can't believe that you still believe what God has said. She wasn't like that. In fact, I think it's interesting what the New Testament does say about Sarah. It has really moved me to want to live more for Jesus. But in 1 Peter chapter, chapter 2, excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 3. Now in 1 Peter, there's a lot going on here. And in 1 Peter chapter 2 and 3, Peter's kind of writing about the different sections in our life and, in, and just in our world about our work life and, and family life. And he begins to zoom in and focus on the wife here. And he says in verse 6 of 1 Peter chapter 3, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. In other words, it's interesting here that, that throughout all this, Sarah did not buck the leadership of her husband. She continued to follow and say, listen, if you really believe that God is calling us to go to this land, and if you really believe that God is going to give us a nation that's going to surpass the numbers of the stars in heaven and the sand on the seashore, if you really believe that, Abram, I'll follow you. And today, my friends, as we think about how she followed that calling, I want to urge you 
no matter what the adversities or afflictions you might have in your life, continue to follow the plans of God that he has for you. But, but, but consider this. We have to trust God to deliver us from those afflictions because they are going to happen. But we have to also trust God to deliver us from tempting fancies, temptations. We all have them. You see, in Genesis chapter 16, 10 years after God made a promise to Abraham that Sarah would, ha they would have a child, the Bible says that Sarah, or it reveals to us that Sarah became impatient. I mean, 10 years of trying to have a son, no effect, none. The Bible doesn't even say they even had a miscarriage. It wasn't like even close to having a child. And so Sarah realized that they had a servant in the house, Hagar, and says, Abram, why won't you? Because maybe, maybe God's promise is not necessarily through you and me, and we have this servant here, and, and time doesn't allow me to get into the apologetics of that. But, but there they have this servant named Hagar, and, and, and if Abram would, would, give, would have a child with her, then that son would, in a sense, still be called Sarah's child in that culture. So she, I believe, gives in to this idea of impatience. She gives in to this idea of temptation. Today, I, I think so many times we're like Sarah. We say, well, we need to help God out in different things in life. We need to help God out by setting these two and being Cupid and playing matchmaker. We need to help God out with this young couple by, you know, lighting certain candles that give off fragrances in the houses just to speed up this process. Hello. But my friends, I want to share with you something that that God has a purpose. God has a plan and God doesn't need your help and God doesn't need my help for anything. Here, it also reminds us that God is sovereign over who has children and when they have children. So if you have children right now or you have grandchildren, God has blessed you with that because God has sovereignly allowed you to have that. And, and if you don't have children, maybe you're like me, you don't have any children. You, God has sovereignly blessed you with that. Maybe one day you will have them. Who knows? God's in control of that. And we need to rest in that and not try to help God out in those areas because God doesn't need help. This also reminds me that, that whenever you begin to to bring parasites into the home, whether it is through unfaithfulness in marriage, whether it is through the internet or whether it is through lust or whatever it is, it can cause friction and damage in the house. And so this one simple act of impatience, we see the ripple effect in our world today because we are told by historians that Isaac's descendants would be the Israelites and Ishmael's descendants would be the Palestinians. And they are still at war today, right now. So let me encourage you, be patient with God. He doesn't need your help, but if he allows you to be involved in his process and his plans, then praise God for it. But let's not give in to temptation. Let's not allow parasites to come into our home that are going to cripple our marriages and our families. But then as I was meditating more in this passage, I thought about Genesis chapter 21. We can not just trust God to deliver us from afflictions and temptations, but we can trust God to deliver us from daunting impossibilities. I mean, this seemed absolutely impossible. It did. 
But I remind you, what seems to be impossible with man is possible with God. Genesis chapter 21, we've already read verses 1 and 2, and so Sarah gives birth to this son. And then in verse number 3, the Bible says, And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, who Sarah bare to him, Isaac. Would you say Isaac with me? Isaac. Say it again. Isaac. Here it is. The promise that God promised Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, 25 years from that moment to Genesis chapter 21, and here we have God cashing in his promise. Verse 4, and Abraham well, goes on to see, speak about all these different things with, with the process of having him. But, but here it is in verse 6. I want to share this with you. And Sarah said, God has made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. It's so interesting. When we think about Sarah, her unbelief, her laughter of unbelief, and now her belief of laughter. When we think about this story, we can't help but laugh. And God is being glorified even as we laugh at a story like this. Because here, here's the situation. Well, you know what God majors on? God majors on choosing candidates that are not qualified and not capable of performing a task so that God can alone receive glory. You see, if God would have chosen a young Abraham and a young Sarah, it would have been like, oh, well, I mean, that's just no average, normal. Yeah, just, yeah we'll just choose a 20-year-old a, a Sarah and a 30-year-old Abraham. Well, of course it's going to work, most likely. The chances are highly probable. But the chances of Abraham and Sarah having a child at their age is highly improbable. And so as we think about all the characters in Hebrews chapter 11, we're reminded most of all today through Sarah that God majors on using people who you wouldn't think so, who I wouldn't think so. So maybe you're like a Sarah too. Maybe I'm like a Sarah. Maybe the reason why God is stirring you or allowing you to be involved in certain areas of ministry or allowing me to be right here in this position is, is because God is the one who's receiving glory in it. And it should bring us a smile and a little chuckle to know that the sovereign God the King of kings and Lord of lords, the one that was, the one that is, the one that will forever shall be, the one who is residing on his heavenly throne, the one that left his throne to die on the cross for our sins and be placed in that borrowed tomb and to be raised again is the, is the one who's wanting me to serve him or wanting you to serve him. That should inspire us to bow down and worship him. The impossible is possible with God. But now let me share with you thirdly today. Not only impossible faith believes God is our reliance and believes God is our deliverance, but thirdly today, impossible faith believes God is our promise. Impossible faith believes God is our promise. Look at verse 11 again. It says, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. Check it out now. Because she judged him faithful who had promised. Thirdly, impossible faith believes God is our promise. Here in Hebrews chapter 11, there's a few words here in our passage today that really stand out to me, especially in the verse here. It says she judged him faithful. 
Could you just imagine now? It, it means to, to look at a situation, and it means to, to deem it a certain outcome, to consider it, to look at the account, and come to a conclusion. And her conclusion was simply this, that God was faithful. This word faithful, it literally means to describe somebody or something as trustworthy. And I'm here to tell you something. The only thing that is trustworthy in our lives is the book that you're holding right now and the God who gave us that book. And then it says that he promised. This means to make a public declaration and a public announcement. If you could just imagine with me going into the marketplace of the ancient world and there we had these criers coming there and just crying out uh, knowledge or news. And so literally God was publicly announcing to Abraham and Sarah about his promises and now she looked at this whole situation. She's analyzing it and even though it took 25 years, but she looks back and she laughs and just in worship saying, God is faithful because God is a promise keeping God. My friends, isn't that amazing? In Genesis chapter 12 and 13 and 15 and 17 and 18, those many different times God initially promised Abraham and Sarah that this would take place and then that they would have a land and then he reaffirmed it over and over again, that they would not just have a land, but they'd also have a nation and they'd also receive salvation through the Messiah. Consider this, believes God, believe God's promised region to his people. God has declared that his people, Israel, are going to have a land and they may not have it all right now, but one day they will. God has also promised his people at large that we will have a land one day in the future and that land is the glorious place we call heaven. Believe God's promised nation to his people. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, he promised them a land. In chapter 12, verse 2, he promised them a nation. And this nation, look at, look at verse number 12. It says, there sprang there even of one. Referring back to Abraham now. So the focus in chapter, um, verse 11 is Sarah. And Abraham, of course. So you're looking through that scope and you see Abraham. But behind Abraham, you also see Sarah. And then the attention now in verse 12 is drawn back to Abraham. And says, therefore sprang there even of one. Abraham is the reference here, and him as good as dead. I read that, and I read that, and I read that, and I said, what in the world does that mean? And what it means, at least from what I've understood, is that concerning Abraham's age and the concept of procreation, it was as if he were dead because it wasn't possible from a human perspective for him to have children. And so here the writer says that he was as good as dead. But through this one who appeared to be as good as dead, the Bible says, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. Now this is hyperbole in your Bible there. It's like a figure of speech with an exaggeration. This does not mean that you need to go out into the to outer space. You need to hop in that, that rocket ship and, and, and blow out of here and then try to count every single star. It doesn't mean you need to go to Myrtle Beach and Virginia Beach and, and Miami Beach and every beach and try to count all the, the, the grains in the sand there. It's just a figure of speech to say that this nation, you won't be able to count it. You won't be able to count all the people that you're going to produce through your offspring. So believe God's promised region, 
believe God's promised nation to his people. But then this thought here is the most moving thought of all of it. Believe God's promised salvation to his people. There's a, something greater going on here in the life of Abraham and Sarah. You have to understand that, that everything in the book of Genesis and everything in the Torah and everything in the Old Testament is pointing uh, to us a character and his name is the Messiah and we know him to be Jesus. You see in chapter 12 of Genesis, verse number 3, God promised Abraham how he would bless all the nations of the world through the lineage of his descendants. And when you get into Matthew's gospel and you get into Luke's gospel, you'll read these two lineages. One from one side of the family and the other from the other side of the family. And you realize that this is the Messiah, Jesus. And it's through him that we find also another miraculous birth. You see, consider Abraham and Sarah. This is a, a miraculous birth. It's a miracle here that God would step in and do this. But there's another one that took place in Luke chapter 1. The Bible says, for with God nothing shall be impossible. That's literally what it says there. When, when Mary received this idea that, that she would give birth to the Son of God, to the Savior of the world, the great I am, she would carry in her womb and deliver him. And today, my friends, listen, listen. If you're having a hard time believing that Abraham and Sarah could have children at 100 years old and 90 years old, then you're probably going to have a hard time believing that Mary gave birth to a son without ever knowing a man intimately. But you know the phrase that stands out to me out of Abraham and Sarah's life more than anything? It's in Genesis chapter 18. And it's, when, it's when, when, when God steps in and he looks and begins to speak to Sarah and he says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Listen, do you think it's too hard that God could speak the world into existence? Do you think it's too hard for God to destroy the world with a globalized flood? Do you think it's too hard that God could take Enoch out of here so he would not see death? Do you think it's too hard for God to raise up a man like Abraham and Sarah? to give birth to a mighty nation? Do you think it's too hard for God to raise up Moses and to lead his people through the Red Sea on dry land? Do you think it's too hard for God to, to, to give the Israelites manna that would fall down from heaven? Do you think it's too hard for God that Moses could strike a rock with his rod and water gush out and they, they would quench the people of Israel's thirst? Do you think it's too hard for God that he would send his son through a young woman named Mary? Do you think it's too hard for God that he could pay the penalty for mankind's sin on the cross? Do you think it's too hard for God even though he created life? He created death in this process. He did. Do you think it's too hard for God that he could overcome death and hell and the grave? My friends, today I submit to you that I do not believe any of that is too hard for God. The impossible is possible with God. God has given us a great promise do you believe his promises? God has given us deliverance. Do you believe that he delivers? God has given us reliance. Do you believe that he can give us strength? Sarah's faith teaches us. Faith 
that is impossible in man's eyes is possible with God. What's up, guys? Brian here again. Just wanted to say thanks again for tuning in to today's episode. You can check out this full message at PastorBrianRalph.com or Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts. Keep the Faith is a ministry of Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. If you're free one Sunday or Wednesday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. Until next time, God bless. I'm going to walk by, I'm going to keep my, I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to walk by, I'm going to keep my, I'm going to live by faith. Keep the faith, keep the faith, keep the faith, keep the faith.